Welcome to the Jim and Mickey Show mid-December edition. Uh, this comes a little bit after our mid-November edition that really didn't come to fruition because technical difficulties. I, you know, mine stopped recording halfway through and Mickey has yet to find the re record button on Skype, uh, which makes it a little bit challenging. But I've handled it on that side, uh, on this side for now. Mickey, it is good to be with you again. It is uh, great to be with you, but I want to clarify. It's not that I can't find the record button. There isn't a record button on my version of Skype for some reason, so I've got to figure out why that is. Mickey downloaded the special no recording button version of I Skype. I thought you were just going to call it the special version. But yeah, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's the, it was 99 cents cheaper, and it took away that, uh, uh, that version. <laughs> I got it on sale, and okay. so now it won't record. Okay, so I know you did some travels, Mickey. Is it possible you downloaded some Canadian metric version of Skype, and that's why you don't have it or something? First of all, I need to let you guys know and let you know, Jim, that um, my opinion of Canada mm -hmm. from two weeks ago is significantly different than it is now. It has changed completely because of my little travel up there. Um, the Canadian people are quite polite, but I think that we as Americans sometimes assume polite means nice, mm -hmm. and that's not the, necessarily the case. Um, but I think that one of the most important things that I would want to tell everyone um, is I was staying in the Toronto area, and every single thing that I ate up there made me sick. Like, it did not matter what it was. And what? so I, I can't I can't tell you why it went down the way that it did but like <laughs> they they put water like bottled water out on the table for lunches and it had been out all day so all of the water all of the soda everything that they served was lukewarm or room temperature and well, my first including the food it didn't come like hot and sometimes it was almost like cold and it was horrifying and that like and I also had travel issues whereas I showed up to I, um, I was going on a company trip and I showed up and there were some issues with the flight and it was just it was insanity so and that happened both going in and out of the country the best thing best thing I can tell you about Canada is that um, when you're leaving the socialist Canada you can actually go through customs right there in Toronto and they welcome you to America and then you just cruise right back to wherever you're going. Mickey, I am horrified that you had a bad experience in Toronto. I went there a few years ago. First of all, how could you... Okay, when you <clears throat> were there, did you eat Tim Hortons donuts and coffee? No. Okay, you missed the best cuisine in the entire okay, country. Okay, now here, herein lies the problem. I right. was there on a trip that I was not in control of a great deal of the decision-making process right. from meals to where we were and things of that nature. Okay. So that was a big part of it. Um, another part of it, someone explained to me that I've been telling people I was in Toronto. And, in fact, I was staying in Markham, which apparently is like comparing, telling someone that, you know, you, you've stayed in D.C., when, in fact, you may have been staying in Sterling. Okay. All right. I guess I can see some comparisons there. But I was going to get on the Canadian checklist. Did you eat poutine? No. And here's the thing. I had been to Canada before, but they were cute little short trips, like usually at the Niagara Falls, because I had mm -hmm. aunts and uncles that lived up that area. Um, mm -hmm. And I was all about it, Jim. Like, I was so excited. You've heard me talk about how much I wanted, like, 
real legit poutine before. Yes. And so I okay, was for listeners all... who don't know, this is for listeners who don't know, poutine is what Canadians eat in the middle of winter. It is a, a, a dish of French fries on the bottom, uh, heavy gravy. Sometimes they add meat, sometimes they don't, and usually cheese curds. Yes. And so it's just, you know, you just to heat it all up and it's just the most, you know, perfect bar snack food. Um, kind of like your know, chili fries or, or something like that here in the states, but the the Canadians have elevated this, and I, you know I'm gonna I'm gonna call it their national dish, and it probably yes. is, but it's a very stereotypical. But it uh, is, and and it was the one thing legitimately that I wanted to have while I was in Canada. They're not exactly known for a lot of foods, and to give credit where it's, we should point out, they've been calling what they call bacon is actually just ham. And yeah, Canadian bacon is actually they've they, they've been trying to pull one over us for a lot of years. They, <laughs> uh, also, when you mentioned they were polite but not nice, Do you, I was waiting if you ran into the one rude Canadian. Well, um, I'll get to that. He's a legend like Bigfoot. He kind of travels from Canadian province to Canadian province and is rude to people and think people are like, oh my god, and he's like, yeah, you ran into the one rude Canadian. Yes, no, they are exceptionally polite. Um, we did have, like I said, I it was just a situation where. Pretty much everything that could go wrong as far as logistics, travel, food, did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was very grateful to get back in the USA. Like, I literally found myself being very patriotic for the last week or so. <laughs> um, just, you know, like, people say something bad about America. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, you should go to Canada. And they all <laughs> look at me like... That hellhole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And people are like, dude, it's Canada. Like, it's basically America with funny accents. I'm like, no. That's what I thought, too. But then I found out that they don't have Fruity Pebbles. They do not have Fruity Pebbles. What? Nope. What do... Is this like the the Royale with cheese over in uh, Brussels? No, they don't like have they a... don't have even their Canadian version. There is no, they have to come across the border. And it's my understanding they go across the border and then smuggle Fruity Pebbles back in. <laughs> really? The notorious... Because that's you... the Canadian version of smuggling, by the way, Americans. They I want understand. our Fruity Pebbles. I understand Justin Trudeau, in fact, announced plans for a big, beautiful wall on their southern border uh-huh. to stop the Fruity Pebbles smugglers from coming <laughs> Exactly. Across. Exactly. They probably yeah. have some like maple cereal that they want people to eat instead or something. So. Uh, you know, they're very Canadian proud. The people that I met, um, the people that I worked with were lovely, good people. But as I mentioned, I think that we as Americans often confuse polite as being like nice people. Mm. And I learned that's not the case. We had an exceptionally polite waitress who also would not bring us drinks and lied to us about where the closest restaurant was to eat. Was there a, oh, all my information was wrong there. Sorry. It was just like, it was a boot. I, I guess I really tricked you around there. Right? You know, about so. you. About yeah. you. Everything's, everything there was like, yeah, and right. And so I've come home, you know me, I parrot everything I hear. I spent <laughs> all week long with them. And it was all day, every day. And I came home saying, right? And yeah? <laughs> and Todd's like, oh, God. That's say, poor just Mr. Bias right. is saying, you know, uh, yes. uh, what are you talking about? And you said, you know what I'm talking about. Exactly. And he's like, damn Canadians. Because, of <laughs> course, you know, of course, we're looking at a situation where he's, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> Um, the Canadians, you know, I will say this, there was a, a very, um, interesting exchange with one of the lovely people that I met up there and she was truly a doll. Uh, but 
I, we were discussing, you know, just kind of things and what I could do to kill time in between something. And she was like telling me about this little store where you get Christmas ornaments and they were only Canadian. She did not know at this point. I wanted nothing to do with it. Um, I wanted no souvenirs and nothing to remind me of my trip here um, to this third world country called Canada. And so she's discussing it. And then she goes, oh, I'm sorry. Do you celebrate Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> Like, and like I said, as in the United States, we don't celebrate Christmas anymore. Do they? Well, do they hear we lost the war stay on with Christmas? Me because I'm like, yeah, with the random, you know, question in my voice, and she's like, oh, what a Canadian thing to say. <laughs> I was like, what? And she's like, well, some people here celebrate Christmas and some people don't, and so you know, we we do like to ask. And I was like, yeah, in America, either you get Happy Holidays or Merry Christmas, and nobody asks. Mm-hmm. I was say they probably have some sort of like um, l- hockey playing lumberjack figure who comes down your chimney uh, and leaves you little buckets of poutine or or um, Tim Hortons donuts or something like that for everybody to enjoy. I, uh, I, I, I think that's completely possible. I've enjoyed every trip uh, I've been to Canada. One of the great. So I have a bunch of my friends who are Canadians, and they make their home cities sound like the most horrible uh, frozen armpit, you know, necks of the woods in the world. And every time I go there, it seems wonderful. So uh, uh, maybe the Canadians don't realize how good they have it. But uh, Well, the Canadians have told me that when it's warm there for like a month and a half, mm. they have lovely lakes they can go to and ride on their boat. They can I was going to say, it's... It, uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, you know, like, God bless Canada. That's cool. They can just stay up there. Like, think of it as like Game of Thrones style. They can stay above the wall. They're like <laughs> the people beyond the wall. The frozen tundra lumbering forward saying, yeah. hey, let's watch the uh, hockey uh, well, you know, you know, Canada's you, hockey you, game of the week, eh? You know, well, I brought you some Bolsons, eh? You go up there, you spend some time. Maybe, you know, JR was, uh, JRR was up there and he decided that, you know, maybe they were wildlings. And, <laughs> and, and we would stay down here on this wall. I'm just saying. You, you see white walkers with very polite manners. Then you know that... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I'm dicking over your village there, eh? Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry, it's going to have to be one of those situations. Thank you as I suck your soul out of you. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and of course, you actually spent some time in warm temperatures, which is rare for you. Um, yeah, uh, just, you know, got back uh, two time. days ago from the National Review cruise. Um, NRcruise.com, and I'm kind of, you know, obligated to mention it for anyone who's ever wanted to. Lots of fun, you know, good folks, good fun. I'll be honest, though, I think this is marks the... Third or fourth midterm, you know, uh, even year election year uh, cruise in a row where we visited a bunch of Caribbean islands right after a hurricane has come through and wiped away all the tchotchke shops and stuff like that. Um, but Mickey, at any point you want to come uh, join us, we went to Key West, which was awesome. Uh, we went to. Yes, I, I feel like I should be your plus one when you go someplace warm. Like I have no interest in our Alaskan cruises. <laughs> But I am totally down to be your plus one if you want to go through the Caribbean again. Like, just letting you guys know. So you just let me know when that is. I will say this just to because I don't even think I answered your question earlier. And I feel like I really should. I never ordered poutine because everything I saw and ate in that country made me sick. And even the people who had ordered poutine, I looked at it and thought, that's not what it looks like on the Food Network. 
Oh, really? And uh. so I, I wonder did if there's not. A, you know, the old joke about gas station sushi. I wonder if there's a equivalent of the, you know, yeah, fast food I, poutine you're not supposed to eat. So. I, I think that that very well may be the case. But other than that, like Canada's cool. They can stay there. I'll stay south of the wall. All right. Um, yeah. So, you know, it was, it was a little bit strange the past week to walk around uh, Dominican Republic uh turks and caicos and when i say walk around i mean walk around the small potemkin village of shopping places uh right <laughs> by the cruise terminal because they have barbed wire oh you're you're welcome to try to go past that we, we we always lose a few cruisers each year once they go over the wall there uh and you know it's traveling with my father we had a terrific time we're like nah we'll just walk along the little safe beach area uh and came back mickey i'm sorry i thought i could have i had so many options in those little shopping villages by the cruise terminal I could have gotten you Tanzanite. Uh, mm. I could have gotten you. I was gonna say. Do, oh, by the way, is it just me or do, when you were in Canada, did you visit a, a duty-free liquor store like in the airport or anything? I walked through that store so quickly in an effort to get to the other side and get on my plane home. <laughs> All right, you were fleeing mm -hmm. uh, the dangers of Canada. Then, okay. Because... I don't want to say fleeing, but you know. Because um, there was one in every cruise stop we went to, and including to a, a duty-free shop on the boat. And Mickey, I, I didn't see any huge advantage. And you and I live in Virginia, which is considered to be a lousy state for buying alcohol. Mm -hmm. uh, the taxes are not particularly good, and our local ABC stores do not have particularly good comp um, varieties compared to uh, other states. Here's what I would tell you about that. In my experience, specifically in duty-free shops, if you're in, you know, a travel hub pit like that, um, keep in mind that they're also selling to non-Americans. And they are used to paying significantly more than that. Maybe that's what it, why it was. Because I kept looking and I, I I didn't have, you know, handy my... Because remember, we're so spoiled. Yeah, I just, I remember looking at the prices and saying, eh, that doesn't seem all that different from what I'm paying back home, so... Right. But if you um, think about it, like, um, I believe, you know, I think the one comparison is like in London, it's like, I think gas is what, it's like somewhere like $6, $7 a gallon um, in comparison to what we pay for it. So, the, you know, we're so spoiled rotten as Americans <laughs> because we buy everything in bulk so we get it all cheaper. Oh, my goodness. Mickey, you're, you're, you've gone Canadian. You're bashing America. Oh, no, no, no. I'm Make sorry. Mickey Let me apologize. I, I apologize. I approve of buying in bulk. It's the most American thing to do. Like, we love Costco's. We love our, that our kind giant, of stuff. Yes, in our giant SUVs. With yeah. extra, you know, you can put down those, those rear seats, put even more. Buy stuff more, there. save more. All about that. Um, mm -hmm. And I, you know what? I, I do want to buy more, save more. Kind of reminded me of a story that I wanted to run by you. I don't know if you've seen this or not. Um, but you know, to Tyler Perry is, yeah. um, you know, he was discovered by, I think Oprah originally and, you know, has all the plays and Medea's and all that whatnot. And he's fabulous. Oh no, He's a one man, uh, uh, cinema force now. Uh, right. He really is. Cameos in Star Trek. Just unbelievable. He's unbelievable. Really just a, a truly incredible American story. Um, and he went out and I, I believe it was a hundred thousand dollars. He paid off like a hundred thousand dollars in layaways oh, wow. for people this Christmas. And I thought that was fantastic. And then apparently Kid Rock heard about it or I don't know if he heard about it, but he also went out and did it the same weekend um, where he went out and paid off all the layaways that were in one of the stores um, near him. 
And I just like, can you imagine being someone? Cause you know, if you're laying stuff away for the most part, like sometimes people do it to hide their stuff from their children. I get that. And sometimes people do it because that's the only way that they can afford to purchase those things is to put it away and pay for it over increments. Can you imagine coming in and everything's paid off? Yeah, or, you know... I mean, that's truly, say, that like, moment, the spirit of Christmas, but that moment would have to be just, like, unbelievable. You either become a fan of every Tyler Perry movie ever made, or you're like, oh, well, now that I saved the money, I feel like I should buy the complete collection of Kid, Kid Rockets or something like that, something that, you know, be appreciative. The question now is, like, what store do you shop at that you know that some celebrity is tempted to come along and, you know... Oh, my God, pretty... you are so cynical, Jim Perry. <laughs> you're the worst. Like, right, I, so, I mean, look, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. That's all I'm saying. Uh, I just think that those stories are lovely. I think it's cool. I think it would be really awesome to have a program where, like, that was actually the goal was to raise money and then go pay off some of them in the area, like, locally. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would be really cool because, you know, like, one person can't do much. But even, you know, whatever you donate, if put together with other people, you could actually do some good. So mm. I don't know. I just thought that was a really cool idea. And it does make it, it warms the cockles of my cold, dead heart. So but let's also emphasize the cockles. Uh, <laughs> just for clarification there. So, uh, yes, we are approaching the holiday season. Um, now, I saw, Mickey, you had started a discussion on Twitter about the uh greatest uh best christmas carols yeah. and it turned I, I last i saw people were throwing punches mickey you you managed to take the uh the hostile and furious and enraged world of twitter and start controversy uh i'm mickey, so way to go so who um, was leading last time i checked because it looked like there was like, people have extraordinarily strong opinions not just about christmas carols but one was was there some one person to say like no, con no country singer has ever done a good uh, country music. Okay, I need to explain what I woke up to this morning. Last evening, I had put out that you know what is the what what is your favorite Christmas song, and it's always a good one this time of year if you're putting together a Christmas playlist or you know thinking of songs you can't remember. I mean, there are songs on the radio all the time, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're your favorites. And um, so I put that out, and our listeners and our followers were. Fabulous. Thank you so much for responding um, because everyone came back and I mean, there were just instantly like hundreds of replies with different songs. Um, and it's odd because, of course, Baby, It's Cold Outside and we'll get to that in a moment. <laughs> um, Rose to that very quickly. But there were, you know, it was interesting to me because one of the things I, I went ahead and, you know, listed a couple of mine because I realized that you can't really list just one. Because, like, the minute you think of one, you think of another, and they're, like, different styles. So I allowed people to, like, list multiples, and then they just kept coming in and coming in. And it was fantastic. I um, Just so for our listeners' sake, I, you guys should know that uh, This Christmas by Donny Hathaway is my absolute favorite. Um, it's not even a question. Mm -hmm. And then, um, But I do like the Chris Brown version, Save Your Letters. And, um, and Blue Christmas by Elvis is, like... Christmas to me um and that that was like my mom was a huge Elvis fan she played his Christmas album the entire month of December and then the first song she played every Christmas morning was Blue Christmas because we played music through the breakfast and the opening of the presents but the very first song was always Blue Christmas so mm -hmm. that was my personal tie to um some of these songs but 
it was hilarious to me because people came in and out. And, you know, one of the songs that came up was Carol of the Bells. Mm-hmm. That's and one of my favorites. I loved it, too, until Garmin ruined it for me. Give a, give a, give a Garmin. Give a, give a, give a. <laughs> I can't hear it now without, like, hearing it. But I do love Carol of the Bells. But it did make me giggle because that is one of those songs that's kind of like, it's it's kind of ruined for now, but I still like it when it's done really well. Um, what ended up happening was that I then opened it up to hymns because there's a huge difference between, you know, Christmas songs and hymns. And the one of the most popular, if not the most popular hymn um, that came out of this was Oh Holy Night. Mm. Beautiful Christmas song. Also on my list of favorite Christmas songs. Um, <clears throat> however... I did not realize that people had such strong feelings about O Holy Night. And specifically, Jim, who sings it and which version. So, wow, okay. so that I could get because I was like, wait, are there, are there anti O Holy Night credo folks? So, they, yeah. you know, yeah. so first contender in the ring <clears throat> comes in and says, I love O Holy Night. And my favorite version is Carrie Underwood and includes the video to that. Okay. I have another that comes back and says, no, this is the best version of Oh Holy Night. And it's the Charlotte Church version. Um, The little girl who sings kind of operatic English. This begins a war that has been going on for hours. (laughs) And someone tried to intercede with some reason. And I begged them. Beg them to not ruin this for me because <laughs> I would watch all of it and it was killing me. Um, they they're willing. They have gotten to the point they're willing to die on this hill. This is it. They're ready to go. And the irony is not lost on me that they are fighting about Oh Holy Night, <laughs> which is like a beautiful sacred song, and they are ready to like knock each other out over it. It's hilarious. Yeah, even worse, I love it. If you have the opportunity to go find it in my Twitter mentions, please do. Yeah. But even worse for listeners, it was a priest and a minister who were fighting over it. it was really <laughs> a... And then they started doxing each other. It just kind of shows. Twitter just brings out the worst in ever. No. Um, interesting to see them. Uh, to, to see like I, 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 my other kind of thing I've been thinking about, Mickey, is that like we ever almost. First of all, do we see as many Christmas albums by established performers coming out, or is that kind of fading away these days? You know, it's weird because I often find out that they, like, quote, have a Christmas album, but it wasn't something I knew that they had. Yeah, they can kind of come need to believe, like, they they may release them, but they don't really tell anybody. So, like, the super fans can go out and purchase them, but they kind of know it's not something that's going to have mass appeal. Um, but I will tell you this. I watched a legendary Christmas with Chrissy Teigen and John Legend. Oh, okay. Cause I, I was clicking through that. It looked funny and then I lost control of the clicker. <laughs> I as, wanted to watch happens. it. happens. Yeah. I liked it. You know, I like them. Um, regardless of whatever you people think, I like them both. I think they're both adorable. She's funny as hell to me. Um, and she's kind of known for having a bit of a bitchy attitude and, you know, and he's like this nice, sweet, wonderful guy. Um, and they have their family over is kind of the, the, the idea behind the Christmas special and they're singing and dancing and tons of cameos. Um, and I, it was funny. Like I found it to be really funny. And I realized though, in the midst of it, he was singing Christmas, Christmas songs 
And some of them were classics and some of them were obviously brand new. And they were also like, it sounds, well, it's not sounds. Now I know he's got a Christmas album out, a brand new one out. Well, I guess once you've played Jesus uh, <laughs> in the Easter special, he did for it, which by the way was really good. I went into that ready for it to be uh, one the of the, Christ you know, all superstar that he, yeah, it was really good. Our, our I, I went in, yeah. I watched it mostly to mock it and it was, uh, uh, it was really good. It was really, uh, it was a great performance and surprising. I mean, um, who was they? They had uh, uh, Alice Cooper uh, as Pontius Pilate, mm, I believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I also remember, if I'm remembering correctly, Chrissy Teigen uh, tweeting various questions during it that suggested she was not at all familiar with any part of the Gospels, which is a little mm-hmm. like, am I crazy? That... Like, Mickey, I figure, look, yes, we're a secular country. Yes, we're not as, but like that story has to permeate at some point, right? So anyway, uh, but uh, there well, we go. It's interesting. I watched a movie the other day where a man was teaching um, literature and they were getting into Dante's Circles of Hell, et cetera. And he realized that they were so um, uneducated on some of the reference points that he made them. He got them all Bibles to use as text, like reference mm. text. That would bring a lawsuit these days. Yeah. So, um, but interesting. So I was going to say because there's that. I, I remember like Mariah Carey uh, doing a Christmas album. That's all. I, is she is she the one who started "All I Want for Christmas Is You." She is the voice behind All I Want for Christmas is You, the mon- the song that we'll be paying for her twins, her twins' kids, the, you know, generations yeah. of hundred. Every time that song plays, Mariah Carey gets a new diamond. Okay. Like it or not, it you know, probably counts as a modern classic, right? I mean, if it's oh, been, absolutely, you know. absolutely, yeah. It's on my, it's definitely on my list, along yeah. with, and no one's going to like that, Last Christmas. I like it. Everybody, whatever. The late George Michael? Yes, wham. We made fun of it, and then he passed away right after Christmas, and then mm-hmm. I felt really bad about making fun of it. And, you know, like there's a, for what it is, right? If, if you want Christmas cheese, <laughs> right, that's it. That is about as classic Christmas cheese as you're going to get. Um, in your, yeah, your I, I definitely think that that's right up there, but it's good, and I like it. Um, and But there's, you know, there's a bazillion different knockoffs and things, and yet when you hear that, like, that one kind of, like, sticks. Yeah, yeah, it's. You know, that that's one that he will own forever. I'm trying to think what other like you know I, I like mo- I, I'd say I enjoy almost all the classics. Um, it, it is kind of striking though that it looks like we had a golden era of Christmas music from about the 40s to about the 60s. Maybe when was Run Run Rudolph? Um. Oh right, Run Run. Right, Rudolph. But right around was there. That Chuck Berry. Yeah, probably. All right. So, you know, right around there, it, it stops. And then all of a sudden... They, well, they also had that, like, rocking around the Christmas tree. Yeah, but even that one, you know, this is this is what happens when I'm not Googling the dates of uh, of songs while we're uh, while we're chatting. Um, Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer, probably one of those classes, starts out as a funny, silly Christmas song and ends up becoming... I don't know if I'd say it's beloved, but... I don't um, like it, but I know other people do. Yeah. Um, particularly, I guess, my guess is not. Do you have popular. Do you have there in front of you the list from our listeners? Because for the most part, I like a lot of them. We were traditional classics, obviously. Oh, Holy Night, Silent Night. Um, someone brought in a Little Town of Bethlehem, which immediately takes you back to like pageants as a child. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that one was a really good one. Uh, there were a Joy to the World. 
uh, the 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 only one I did not see pop up. I oh, yes, Little Drummer Boy. Uh, there were some others there. The only one I didn't see pop up is We Three Kings. Oh, and, that's another good one. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I did not see it on any. Kings. Yes. Yeah. That is exactly what I think of, like that very deep, like we three kings of Orienta, and I'm like, nobody picked me three kings, but I I thought that was a good one. Yeah. Um, I, no yeah, one put down of... away in a manger, and that's because it's a terrible song. Yeah. There's no one who can sing it. There's no one who should sing it. It's uh, terrible. No. Yeah. Now that you think about it, I've so the boys have been in Christmas pageants for the last couple of years. Uh, they complain they're getting typecast as shepherds. Um, but I'd remind them this is an upgrade over <laughs> this is an upgrade over being sheep. You start out as the sheep and you work your way up to shepherd. And if you're really good, you get to either be a wise man or a or or Joseph. That's that's about where it peaks out. Yeah, like you peak out if you're just like as a girl, I think peak is Mary. Oh, Although, absolutely. Mary's huge. My yeah. my little sister actually played Jesus. Um oh, she was of the right a live baby or a live child. Yeah, she or? was a live baby, yeah. She played Jesus in the nativity. And so, you know, again, hard to top that, really. You yeah. start, you star as Jesus at like six months. Now what? Away in a Manger was one that they always sang as part of the pageant. And it was very like, you know, you know, kids, you know, look, it's it's a children's choir. I'm not going to judge them harshly. There were some that they did a fantastic. I remember like just the. That's because no like, one can hit all those weird notes and half of them yeah, seem to be yeah, flat on yeah. purpose. Like, it's just a horrible song. But again, there are some beautiful Christmas songs out there. And I like that song, Mary, Did You Know? And apparently it's controversial, which I did not know. But you did not. One, Mickey, did you know? That Mary, I did, did not. You know is- I did not. But I do know that Winona Judd does a spectacular version of it. So I don't care. It's really pretty. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so- I should point out for those, I, I thank you for on Twitter referring people back to our archives. You and I were laughing about um, Baby It's Cold Outside years ago, before yes. the current. And also, our attitude was just kind of like, boy, isn't this, you know, um, they're an odd. The whole, it all comes out of that one line say, what's in this drink? Right? Which is, of course, yeah. and my, everyone's belief at the time was referring to, uh, boy, this drink is strong, not, hey, you're Bill Cosby and you just slipped me a roofie. You know? Okay, um, and I would like to mention to our listeners um, who have not checked out the archive that that episode mm-hmm. is four years old, Jim. That is how, like, ahead of the curve we are. Um, we actually handled that before it even became an issue. Tied it in a knot and put it away. Yeah, we, so if we, people would listen to us, we wouldn't have this problem, of course. No one. No, and I, you know, neither one of us would say, "Oh, ban it! Oh, good heavens! You know, do not let anyone's virgin ears be, you know, uh, be scalded by the, you know, the observation." And I think someone had made the comparison to, to go back to our archives. One of our other favorites. Um, you can't tell me we live in a world where the Fifty Shades movies make a billion dollars each, but baby, it's cold outside. Is somehow. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's just so offensive. Um, I think it's offensive because one, people like to be offended, which then irritates everyone. One of the funniest things that's come out recently um, with this controversy is that there have been obviously, you know, radio stations who have banned it, um, decided that they don't, you know, they're not going to play it anymore because it might be offensive to people. And then they had a backlash of people who were Saying, play the Christmas music I like. Like, don't tell me. Go- I don't want to lecture. Just play the music. Um, but the most fascinating thing to me is that the woman who is the daughter mm-hmm. 
um, of the composer um, and the original two singers is just livid that they have taken what was basically a little fun love song between her parents and turned it into this dirty, nasty thing. And it's like, it's only dirty if you think it is. It's only evil if you think it is. Like, that's all about you, the mindset behind you. And, like, if that's what you think, then, like, you've got problems. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess the other thing, though, again, do you really think that for decades, particularly in the repressed, uptight 1950s, people would be singing a song that's secretly, all, you know, like, it's about. Look, it's supposed yeah. to be flirty and sexy. Yes, that's okay. Like people who are very attracted to each other, yeah, but are worried about what other people will think. And you know. right, and the whole idea is like she's playing coy, and like she knows she wants to stay, but of course, yeah. you know, she's putting on airs and kind of putting up this like faux fight that's not real, and she's not even really fighting it. She's just kind of like, you know, oh, it's you know, it's it. Yes. I really should go now. Yeah, um, it's never I'm going now. No, <laughs> that's the big difference. I should go, but yeah. I'm not. And yeah. it's a question of how many good excuses can he come up with? You know, oh, look at how bad the weather is out there. Oh, you know, you know. Yeah, she talks about, you know, what will the neighbors say? What will people think um, if she were to spend the night? And again, that's much more the focus of it is like the like the brush off of the societal, you know, judgment mm-hmm. um, than anything. And again, it was just fun and flirtatious. And that's what really offends people. Is, is that, that the it? Singers, the singers don't care about societal judgment. So the most judgmental people are the ones who are out. How, how dare you? This could lead to free thinking. Oh, my can't God. Let people, so can't right. have people doing what they want. Yeah. Do uh, you remember when Dave wanted us to do a, a version of it where we would sing it? Yes. Like, and, now, for our listeners, it's fair to say to you that Dave was our producer wanted to do his magic with that not just let jim and i sing it to you directly on the air without any editing and i kept coming up with like like you know i was like oh let's not do the regular lyrics let's do like much worse lyrics let's do you know yes that's right because you wanted to change the lyrics and he's like no no we're gonna play this straight and you're gonna sing it and i'm gonna sing it and i think what we ended up doing was jim and i were cowards and we're like oh Uh, we, really, we never mm, quite got around. This, to yeah, that. this week is oh, yeah. got a little oh, off. God. I'm not sure it's gonna make you know, it. Mickey, I was thinking about the. In addition to if, if baby, it's cold outside has become too controversial, and people can't see me making air quotes as I say, it's become too dangerous. You know, um, we had our holiday party this weekend. Uh, every year, so we, sorry uh, we missed it. We get our that's, no. You, you, you're always welcome at our house, Mickey. Um, you and uh, Mr. Biased, but uh, we put up a mistletoe, right? Now, I don't know if anybody kissed underneath it besides myself and, and Mrs. Campaign Spot. Um, but, you know, like, the, how long until that becomes, you know, you well, know, well I mistletoe assume... is an invitation to ignore consent, you know. I, or some you know, Jim, I would say at this point, I haven't Googled it, but you are either on to something that hasn't even hit yet or like they're right on the edge because that seems like something they'd be all over, right? Because if it's a, if it's a mistletoe, and it's hanging there, then aren't you responsible, Jim? If you hung the mistletoe for any right. man who would come and have the audacity to kiss a woman on the forehead or it, cheek or even on the mouth, it's like a, without a red, asking a red flag in front of a bull, practically. You know, this uh, open it's practically invita- an invitation to rape people kisses. right there in your hallway, Jim. That's what you've done. And like the whole, like, you know, now I guess one of the things we observe is that, again, maybe someone looks back and says, oh, in a different cult, you know, in a different culture, you know, you're expected to play along and, and all this stuff. But look, 
the expectation is is two people who uh, might secretly be attracted to each other or one attracted to the other or something like that find themselves. And he, by the way, it's not supposed to be a stick your tongue down the throat type kiss, right? <laughs> or, or or is it, Mickey? Have I been doing it wrong all these years? <laughs> well, I mean, I've certainly had a few mistletoe kisses that involved more than just like a peck on the cheek. But I think on average, it's usually just a peck. And a lot of times, even again, just a peck on the cheek or the forehead, not even necessarily a lip to lip kiss. Um, but it's kind of one of those fun things of like, oh, we're standing, especially, and again, this is something, you know, we wanted to talk about a little bit later anyway, but when you find yourself watching one of those holiday movies, mm. the the couple that's, you know, kind of flirtatious and friendly and they're trying to like, the you know, the whole town's trying to get them together, they often find themselves under the mistletoe. And initially, one of them, usually the girl, will look up, see it, and quickly run away. Mm-hmm. And then later... She, they'll be stuck under the mistletoe together and then they'll lock eyes and realize that they're in love after two days and kiss. <laughs> All right. So you're very clearly describing Hallmark Christmas movies, right, Mickey? That's that's basically the, <laughs> the genre. And somehow Hallmark manages to take over a good nine or ten channels at this time of year. It, it doesn't have to be just on Hallmark Channel. I don't know whether Lifetime decided to do spinoffs. I know Hallmark's got... I don't know whether they buy up other channels, but every well, this time Hallmark, of year... it's Hallmark, it's Lifetime, now Netflix, Prime, Hulu, all of them are doing it too. Oh, okay. So you've got, you know, the busy, harried woman who doesn't have time for a relationship, doesn't have time for a life, but who has friends who are obsessed with her love life, right? Sometimes parents, sometimes the wacky old couple... Uh, by the way, Mickey, if you happen to find yourself in a New England village right around Christmas Eve and there's an old man in a white beard who's encouraging you to get together with someone and his name is Chris, I'm going to let you, played by Ed Asner, <laughs> Mickey, I'm going to let you know the secret. That's actually Santa Claus. I know. Guaranteed, you know, one way or the it's other. It's really him. And yeah. you should also go with whoever he suggests. Also, like, your name will become Eve or Holly. Or, uh, or Carol. Yeah. Uh, The the guys will be, you know, the old man will be Chris or Nick, right? And uh, uh, the the guy, so the other thing is that the good men in these Hallmark movies, like there's usually some sort of like uh, urban yuppie who she has to either reject the affection of or break up with or something like that. Well, because she probably ended up in this little town because she got stranded while she was going there for, quote, work of some kind. Yes, the, she has to shut down the local bookstore or hardware store or, uh, you know, something like that. And inevitably, mm-hmm. or, there's a or widower. she has to um, scout it for a location of some fabulous thing. Yes, yes. The, you know, the pollution making uh, Christmas ornament factory that they're going to they're going to put the local the local artisan uh, hipster joint out of business. And ooh, uh, ooh, ooh. or and this is a classic. She has returned home for Christmas after many, many years in the big city. Yes, exactly. And she's forgotten. Only to run into her high school crush <laughs> in the local drugstore owned by a family she's known her whole life. Mm-hmm. The thing is, I grew up in a small town. like, And it's small. And like we say people know everybody, but you don't know everybody. Um, the people on these shows are fake, even for me, who has grown up in a small town. 
Like mm. this is like that is like this is wish fulfillment at the highest level because not only do you usually like find the most charming, delightful village with a great festival, they almost always have a fabulous festival for Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. But there's also at least one, if not two, hot guys just strolling around, hanging out, waiting for somebody to come along. Restoring which... the town gazebo or something. <laughs> right, yes, absolutely. Hanging the lights, restoring the gazebo, making sure the clock works or the bell rings. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything has to be done by midnight on Christmas Eve. Yes, including the business deals, right? Right, <laughs> right. and who's doing business on Christmas Eve at midnight? I do not know, but they I all I can't get phone up calls returned after the 19th, but somehow, apparently, in, in Hallmark world, all business mm-hmm. deals have to be done by then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone else starts Christmas, like, disanswering phones early, much, much earlier in the week, but somehow these people end up working, and, but ultimately... There is always going to be the happy ending where she recognizes that, you know, her true love is this guy and her true place is in this little town and everything will be wonderful. There's always some conflict, though. Usually it involves her lying. Like she yeah, lies or, or a misunderstanding, lies. you know, yeah, yeah. or a misunderstanding. And I need to clarify this, too. Oh, um, my goodness. I Jen, thought you meant you were going to return your grandmother to the store, not the present. Yeah. You know. Yes. Yeah. There's some kind of misunderstanding or a flat out lie. I'm not who you thought I was, that kind of thing. Um, and here's the thing. There are good surprises and there are bad surprises. Mm. If if suddenly Mr. Bias came to me, even now. And said, okay, I need to tell you something. I'm really a prince. I would be 100% okay with that. That is a good surprise. Go ahead, bring that on. And somehow these women act all like, why did you not tell me that you were a prince? That is not a bad surprise. I don't know if I can trust you. you Yes. (laughs) Yes, beautiful. So I'm going to go hang out with this guy I met at a bar. Yeah. Um... The other thing is like so. It, the the I look and I realize first of all, the, the movies the, the the two hours you've seen endless picturesque towns. You've seen the local grade school uh, caroling. There'll be a particular kid who's very interested in the love life of the protagonist. Um, usually the the widower's son encouraging him along, or the the daughter who gives the the th- dad the thumbs up, or something like that. And absolutely and, no disrespect to widows and widowers out there. However, on the Hallmark Channel, they way outweigh the population. Oh yeah, you you would think you know, and it's not, you were either like a young, just upstart, ten years out of college person, or a widow. Yeah. It is, you know, an unbelievably high rate of uh, high death rate for young married couples. Yeah. Uh, coupled with the fact, as somebody pointed out, like you know, at least one of these hunky flannel wearing, uh, car, you know, hand, you know, handyman types. Um, you know, at least one of them's got to be an axe murderer, right? You know, at least one of them did away the first wife, and that's why they're back on the market. Uh... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that's not. You never that's see not... that one on the Hallmark Channel. What happened to your first wife for Christmas? That's Lifetime. I'm sorry. Yes, my, You're my ex-husband. I would end up on Lifetime. Um, the other, the other thing that's really weird was that again, like, look, I realize the demographic they're aiming for. It's all, you know, your kids could watch this and never see anything inappropriate. But Mickey, have you noticed a couple of them, like, well, and not just with like, you know, oh, the couple gets together. Sometimes it even ends with like a proposal. And that kiss under the mistletoe is the first one they've had. <laughs> I mean, like they they yeah. really have somehow gone from not connected to extremely connected and ready to commit 
um, in, a, in a rapid amount of time. Just you know, and of course, it had to happen by Christmas. You know, I need you to understand that Mr. Bias and I dated for I think seven years That's before what... we got married. <laughs> So the idea that these people, and that's why I said earlier, like after two days, they kiss and say, I love you. Um, and you're right. Sometimes that also is accompanied by a diamond. Yeah. Um, which is, it's, it's, it's extra, it's exceptionally shocking, but at the same time, absolutely necessary for these stories. And as much as I'm mocking them with you and, and I do enjoy mocking them, I watch them all. And yeah. then I call my sister and say, which one's the good one? Which one's the bad one? We share. Because some of them are funny and some of them are cute. And some of them are like, you don't know why they made it. Um, so, you know, it's just so we actually share the, the holiday movies yeah. that we think are worth watching. I, I was going to say, I feel like they've gotten a little more cookie cutter. Like like they became self-aware, right? They, they began to realize that these are the holiday comfort food uh, that we're all looking for. They're, they really are like... You're tired. You've just put up the tree. You're shopping. You got the kids in bed or something. When you all you need is just like you know they're they're the equivalent of Christmas cookies. Like they're they're sugar cookie yes. entertainment, right? You know. Yes. Um, yes. Absolutely. And and also something that I heard this week. Um, I wish I had thought it originally myself, but I did not. And I wish I could give them credit. But someone suggested that if you're a young British actor you knew that you were on your first step to making it when you got to play a prince in <laughs> one of the holiday Christmas specials. <laughs> well, I know one of them features uh, Meghan Markle, right? Uh -huh. I, I remember clicking through there. I think she played, like, the, ironically, like the sister, not even yeah. the, uh, the the main girl in one of Correct. them. Correct. Like, yes. And, and it is funny because there are a lot of very attractive young European actors who, you know, do well as princes this time of year. You know, and of course they go to this tiny little town in New Hampshire or something like that. The other, I assume they're all filmed in Canada because everything's filmed in Canada. See how we come full circle on this podcast? Oh. Um, but so what it must be like to be in one of these picturesque small towns where the, you know, Hallmark film crew is filming all the time, where they're probably putting down fake snow all the time and the Christmas decorations never come down, right? I mean, you know, and you're constantly seeing people. They're always gathering around the town square for the, you know, <laughs> tree lighting ceremony or, you know. Um... Actually, you know, now that I think about it, Mickey, has there been a single Hallmark Hanukkah movie? Oh, I bet there is. I say not one of them's come to mind. Is like, just but to... I bet there I is. I say this only because, like. I just have a feeling they've got that one covered too, but I could be wrong. I mean, first it's probably you know, like you one. Might, you, you could do like you know, oh, I've got eight nights to find a man or something like that. <laughs> or, you know, eight they they fall in love over a plate of potato pancakes. You know, you could have fun with that, but uh, you know, yeah, no, no. I, I, I'm not familiar with any that I can think of right off tops. However, that is definitely something. If any of your listeners are familiar with a Hanukkah Hallmark movie or that style, let us know. Um, we definitely want to hear back on that. You know, it, it's interesting, too, you know, talking about things that have become kind of like Christmas cookies of TV. Mm -hmm. For me, one of the shows that I have become addicted to is called The Great British Baking Show. I have heard people raving about that. People who are not into cooking cooking shows. Yes. Watch that suddenly and are like, oh, my God, I've got to see if the tart turns out right. You know? Okay. And I want to tell you why. Because you know me. I, I watch a lot of cooking shows on this side of the pond as well. 
And I started watching it and I became obsessed with it. I would encourage all of our listeners to get out. And if you are on Netflix, they have it. There's even one that's running now called The Great American Baking Show, which I have not seen yet. So I cannot speak to it because it could be significantly different, which could concern me. Because here's the thing, Jim. What's great about The Great British Baking Show is that it's filled with people from Britain. And it's done with a very British style. So everything's exceptionally low-key. Like, there's no yelling. There's no fast, you know, loud music. And time's up yelling. There's no Gordon Ramsay screaming at people. No, there's no screaming. There's no none of that. And there's three different um, categories to this. The the first one, they come in um, and they do their first bake of the day. And then they do one that is called the technical. And then at the end, they do one called the showstopper and they are judged by all of these. And then at the end, one goes home, one wins star baker. Um, I need to tell you that when watching the show again, the bakers themselves are also exceptionally chill for Americans. Like I'm sure they seem very stressed out for Britons, mm-hmm. but we're watching it and they're so quiet and chill and there's no yelling. And mm-hmm. if one of them finishes early, Jim, they go help the other people. Oh, wow. What, 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 what what is this communism? And this is <laughs> what, what is I'm saying. Participation trophy, you know. This is what I'm saying, and like this, the actual the stories that they tell through the baking is insane because they bake things that we've never heard of. Because, but apparently, like every English person in the world knows how to bake these things. Figgy pudding, um, I'm guessing, or well, uh... yeah, there's figgy pudding, and there's meat pies, and there's I mean a bazillion different types of cakes and pastries and. Just things we don't touch, like never heard of at all. And they do amazing work. Like, And these are all home bakers, which is what makes it crazy. Um, and the best one for me by far is what they call the technical, which is the middle one. There are two judges um, and they each, you know, each week they rotate as to which one gives out the technical challenge. The participants are not told how to actually make it or what it's going to look like when it's finished, but Ooh. they are told that they are making a specific item and it's usually something very unique and very difficult. They are then given what are considered quote recipes, but a lot of times the recipes say things like make sponge cake uh. and they give them all the ingredients that they will need. And at the end they have to put them up on platters like with their pictures facing themselves, not the judges, so the judges can blind judge each of them. Now, as this is going on, we at home get to see what it's supposed to look like <laughs> when it's finished. So it's like we have the direction. We we have you know the box of the for the yeah, jigsaw puzzle. We know what it's supposed to look like, and then you get to see them try to make it. And what's hilarious is when they put them up on the pedestals. Like you might have one or two that's like spot on and then you have some and you're like, I, I that doesn't look any, but they're all supposed mm-hmm. to look identical and th- that never happens. I would prefer that to a lot of the baking shows I see on Food Network. I used to watch them now kind of where they do such elaborate uh, cake boss was one of them. But then the ones basically the ones where I think down in Disney World, they give them some assignment and they have to basically do like cake sculpture. Right. Yes. And they're carving it and they're frosting it. And you create something that generally can look amazing to the point where it doesn't look like food. It doesn't look like cake at all. Yeah. And then you're like, well, I wouldn't want to eat that. 
Yes. And right? one of the things that they do um, is actually something that they call the showstopper at the end. And that tends to have more like where they're required to do sugar work or chocolate work or that type of molding and whatnot. Um, but again, it's still not like what you're describing. I know what you mean. This is much more like where it's it, you can still pretty much know it's food. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you know that it's cake and they can be exceptionally well decorated. But at the same time, the first thing that Paul Hollywood does, he's one of the judges, is mm -hmm. cuts right into it. Ah, very good. Yeah, Preferably, so like, the prettiest part you worked on. Recognizing that, you know, it's meant to be easy. Because in the end, marzipan is clay-like enough that you can shape it into anything. And then you're like, okay, that's fine. That's great, you know. Right, uh, but in that case, you also have to want to eat marzipan, which is not good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a little, little bit goes a long way. That Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, but yeah, so I definitely recommend that. And they have a holiday version out right now. Those are both on Netflix. And then, as I said, I just saw the great American baking show pop up on Hulu, which means it's on one of the network channels right now on demand as well. I cannot speak to it because I don't know if Americans will act right on the show. <laughs> I just don't see them behaving as well as the bakers do in Britain because you've seen our bakers mm -hmm. that's what makes me it difficult for me to watch some of like cake wars and things like that because there's like there's always so much yelling even within their own team and like everything's so hurried and they're all like stressing me out I'm like I like to watch like the food network to chill yeah like it does everything doesn't need to be like a high stress game show I remember when I could just turn it on and people were making food and talking softly mm-hmm the uh, you know I, I was just I'm wondering if like you know the perhaps the defeats on the British Breaking Show I'm picturing being terrific, a sense of like you know oh oh pish posh and bugly I'm disappointed that I won but I congratulate the winner yeah. whereas you know on on most of them, like you know you're just picturing you know, the American temper tantrum ah you know heartbroken and trashing the kitchen on the way out and you know all that correct. And instead, the the uh, there the loser, you know, they kind of lower their head and nod. They knew it was coming, mm -hmm. and then they do the quick, as you mentioned, you know, the quick confessional at the end. And it's, well, I'm disappointed, but it wasn't my best work, and I'll just keep baking. Yeah. And you're like, this never happens on our shows. They're like, rah, rah, rah. you know, I got screwed because this, that, and the other. And you're like. That's why I don't know if it's going to play out the same. But again, I highly recommend watching that. Another one, if you're into funny food shows, is a show called Nailed It. I think I mentioned that before. And they have a holiday special out as well. Um, there's actually a woman from Richmond, Virginia, who's participating in that. And while she's not particularly talented at cooking, she is a great person and very sweet and fun to watch. Mm. So I would definitely recommend that as well. Is there anything like you can't miss? For the holidays, like if you're going to watch something like, oh, I need to see this or it's not quite right for me. So uh, the other night at the holiday party, uh, kids were getting rambunctious. So we went down we put on Charlie Brown Christmas special, um, which everyone you know likes to make fun of the, uh, the wacky dancing of the kids during scenes like that and the sad little tree and how the by taking simply some of uh, this, the uh, ornaments off of Snoopy's doghouse, they somehow managed to completely change the nature of the tree. Uh, <laughs> several feet taller and you know fuller and all that kind of stuff that the kids lo and behold have the ability to alter the very matter and fabric of reality 
Um, and then we did something that's come up, you know, once again, ended up in the news again, uh, Mickey, showing that you and I are ahead of the curve. Um, the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer special, which you and I had mocked as, you know, really strange and creepy. I believe I made references to Santa's gulag for the... Uh, Yes, uh, the, Santa the, Nazi of, the Santa Nazi episode. Absolutely. Santa Nazi, and, there we go. Yeah. Because there's certain issues with it. Um, but I don't think you and I had ever said, you know, Bennett, it is it is inappropriate and whatever for being, was it sufficiently unwoke or whatever it was? was it yes, it was, apparently it was not woke enough. And no, of course, if you're new to listening to the podcast, while Jim and I may mock a lot of things, you'll never hear us ask for it to be banned. Yeah. Well, because, like, the sheer bizarreness of it is part of its charm, right? The idea of, you know, we all know the song, and then somebody said, you know, this really needs an elf who wants to be a dentist. <laughs> right? yeah. and, and we need to see, you know, all the elves forced to sing along to the... And we're going to make Santa kind of a jerk, and we're going to make... Uh, uh, is I think Donner is the uh, the reindeer who's Rudolph's father. We're gonna make him yeah, a little so bit abusive. Disappointed, you know? yes. Yeah. Abusive I mean, father. Everyone's disappointed. Bullying to the tenth degree. Yeah. You've got then you've got the island of misfit toys, which I don't even know where to start with that. Well, speak, you know, again, bringing our our podcast full circle. We're gonna put out a giant gun toting Canadian uh, redneck <laughs> on Cornelius. <laughs> Who will literally punch the abominable snowman into a ravine, you know? Um, and then go pull out all his teeth. Yes, and, you know, dent, force, force dentistry and all that. Um, the other, by the way, the other weird observation to that, people pointed out, so I think somebody talked about the two great heroes of Christmas, and they said Yukon Cornelius and John McClane. And uh, the, the observation wow. that, like, you know, the entire film or the entire story, Yukon Cornelius has a gun in his belt that we can all see. Yep. And he never once even thinks about using it on the abominable snowman. No, there was other ways to handle it. And for those um, of our listeners who are not familiar with the great John McClane, ah. he, of course, oh, is come on, Mickey, star who, who doesn't know that, right? Die Hard. of our founding fathers. <laughs> I know. That's how you all talk about him. Like, everyone should know who he is. Um, he is the star of Die Hard, Bruce Willis. A lot of people would know Bruce Willis maybe as a connection, but let's be honest, Jim, not everyone. And and I know I'm talking to a lot of boys who know, and they're sitting right now. They're looking and they're irritated that I'm saying that, but it's true. Uh, I, I was going to say that, uh, you know, um, and maybe you could argue, you know, the last few Die Hard movies have been terrible, uh, but maybe it all went wrong when they went away from Christmas. Maybe that, uh, you know, three was okay, <laughs> but... Uh... Yes, it's because they stepped away from Christmas to other holidays. Um, you know, for me, I love It's a Wonderful Life. I love all the Hallmark holiday films, you know, and of course, I don't really have a favorite of those. That's just a matter of what happens to be on. Um, I, but It's a Wonderful Life is a great story. Um, I think I, I, I really like the original of Miracle on 34th Street. I think that that is lovely. Um, my cousin has recommended that I watch Christmas in Connecticut, the original. Have you ever seen that? No, although I've heard people uh, saying it's one of the classics, right? It's one yes. of the, you know. It's a classic, 1945, and it's on AMC On Demand right now. So I'm going to check that one out. What's nice about all the On Demand is if you miss it, like usually you can catch it somewhere on demand, which is very nice. Um, one of the things I did want to recommend to everyone, and I've, I've probably done this before, um, but around the holidays, you know, nothing beats a good glass of liquor. <laughs> 
And it's important to, you know, sometimes, you know, just have the right liquor in the house. And for me, like, we've always had Baileys and coffee, you know, so we always had Baileys in the house. We usually had, like, a peppermint schnapps because that's fantastic to put into a hot cocoa. Mm. Um, Yes, very nice. Uh, You can warm up cider and add some spiced rum to that. Put that in a, a slow cooker is a perfect way to keep it warm. Uh, that's a, another perfect way to put together mulled wine is to put it together in a slow cooker and put all your ingredients in there um, and keep it warm. But one of my favorite things, and I've been using it the last several years, is something called rum chata. And I'm not sure if y'all are familiar with that, but it has... I am not, and I thought I was pretty well versed in, in various liqueurs. Yes, and rum chata is, um, I, guess, I, I guess you might want to call it like a Jamaican eggnog of sorts, um, mm. in that it's... It's made of rum. There's cream in it. There's a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of nutmeg. It is delicious. Um, And you can add that to coffee. You could probably put it over ice. I mean, there's a million different things you could mix it with to put it together. And one of the things that you can also do is put together shots with it. You have a little fireball around um, and you do half and half, 50-50 rum chata and fireball stir um, you get something that tastes like cinnamon toast crunch milk. <laughs> the milk that you drink at the bottom of the cinnamon toast crunch. I, I was uh, going to say that's a, that's a huge chunk of my uh, my son's diets. Uh, well, that sort see, of there uh, you go. So um, so yeah, some little holiday drinks um, that I will be making, and I thought I would share with you guys. And if you have any questions or anything, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter. I'm at Bias Girl. You can always find Jim at Jim Garrity. And, um, and oh, we did need to answer one of the questions for Jazz Shaw, one of our very loyal listeners. Um, wanted to uh, tell him, because he did send us a question about those bootcut jeans. They were <laughs> never a good look for anyone. No one looks good in them. They should not be a thing. There you go, so- Jazz. Is the idea of bootcut jeans that's supposed to be outside the boot as opposed to inside the boot? Correct. It's supposed to give you, like, extra room. Like, think if you had a cowboy boot on and it has, like, you know, they're, like, not necessarily tight on the leg. So right. it kind of goes around that. But, yes, but, again, no jazz. No one should wear it. You don't need to wear it. And I hope most people <laughs> give up Was on it, that. Is it possible they just had bell bottoms left over and decided to <laughs> remarket them under a new name? Um, it's like they took bell bottoms and, like, gave them a little trim. Okay, because the second observation is that all, I would say to you, you walk around the winter months, the vast majority of women I see who are wearing something like jeans and boots will have the jeans inside the boots, and it's very slimming and looks very good. Yeah. Um, so, ladies, don't change what you're doing. That's that's just fine. No, Men, nobody, yes. nobody pays attention to look around our calves and ankles anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes, that is true. No one pays attention. And um, to all of you that are snowed in this Christmas, um, please do enjoy and be careful and safe out there with your travels. Uh, wishing you a happy Hanukkah, a very, very Merry Christmas. I'm Mickey White. He is Jim Garrity. And you've been listening to the one and only Jim and Mickey Show. You can find us anywhere that you listen to podcasts, search Jim and Mickey Show or hashtag T-Jams, T-J-A-M-S. Have a wonderful holiday season.